here we have Marjorie Green, uh, Jewish space laser lady. Um, we have Donald Trump, who obviously massively unqualified for his job, uh, cr criminal. Um, and George Santos, who's still not been asked to resign by the head of the Republican Party. And I can't help but see these three people surrounded in this clown show in the year 2023 and then be sitting down with you and think, oh, my God, why are you still not in office? Such a perfect day, Donald Trump got arraigned. And he looked like a sad little quaffed turd. Such a perfect day, I thought I would stream for you. Because there's nothing else to do but celebrate. Oh, it's such a perfect day, I thought I'd spend it with you. Such a perfect day, my cat's staring at me weird. My cat's staring at me weird. Um, that was probably super off key and I don't actually know the words to that song, but it is such a perfect day. Donald Trump has been arraigned, baby. Hell yeah, it's not central booking. It's, it's cooler central booking. I've been to central booking, but I know. Um, what it what it's like to be down there uh there he was guys it's tuesday you know what time it is it is time to you know uh hand it to stormy daniels hell yeah um i think this can go down as the most famous adult film star ever the most historic adult film star uh the one like not every porn actor is going to get a, a note in the history books, y'all. I mean, obviously not in Florida, uh, but everywhere else. Very exciting for Stormy. Thank you, Stormy. Uh, everybody, um, tits out for Stormy Daniels. <laughs> um, really excited to have y'all here. Uh, as you can tell, it's going to be a little bit of that kind of a show, but we're going to hammer down on some serious stuff. Uh, I have an incredible guest, uh, former Congresswoman Katie Hill is here. Uh, so excited to have her. Uh, we were both on the same MSNBC panel and we just, I think, wanted to talk forever and ever uh, about like being a mom, how effing racist, uh, racist, sexist uh, and racist, sexist this country is when it comes to, um, you know, trying to raise a kid, being a woman in politics, all that. So I'm so excited to throw down with her today and get her thoughts on what's going on uh, in Manhattan right now as we speak. Uh, Trump has left the building and he was arraigned for, I think it was about an hour, but we'll get into all that. In addition, um, Miles Camp Lassen is here. He is a reporter for In These Times. He's actually the editor of In, the, in These Times online. Um, and he is going to break down what's going on in Chicago because there is a massive election today. Uh, Brandon Johnson versus Paul Vallis. We talked about it before when we talked about Lori Lightfoot leaving and her sad modelo. So we're going to get into that. What's going on? Votes are clearly being cast right now. They're going to be counted. It's going to be a, a long night. Who knows You know when we will know, but it, this couldn't be any more of a, um, a of sort of good versus evil um, election, progressive versus 
lightweight Republican. Uh, and, and so I'm excited to talk to Miles all about that. But if you're here, hey, like the things, click the button. Remember to turn, not only subscribe to this show, but turn on that little um, notification so you know every time we're going live. Um, also, if you're here uh, listening as a podcast, give this podcast five stars. You know preemptively it's going to be a great show because it always is. Um, and, you know, not to, I mean, objectively, it's a great show. Um, this also is only one half of the Bituation Room. The Frantifa, the patrons of the show know you get an extra bonus bish every Friday, except for this Friday, y'all. I just have to say, I'm going to make it up to you. I'm going to see what I can do. But this Friday, uh, fam is going out of town. We're taking our first little trip with my six-month-old. Wish us luck. Light some candles. Say some prayers. No one's going on a plane. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, we're going to get away for 48 hours and we'll see if that works. So not streaming on Friday, but every other Friday, y'all, patrons get an hour of extra content. We're doing all kinds of weird stories. Um, last week, we looked at some of the pushback to obviously the the lack of gun control in Tennessee. Students have been rising up. Um, it's just amazing to see. We saw the lawmakers just crumble under the most basic questions. Now they're, of course, trying to strip um, Democrats of their ability to govern because the Democrats were standing with Tennessee children against gun violence and for gun control. So anyway, we get into all that. So patreon.com slash situation room. You know what it is. Uh, and of course, I've been mentioning this, but I haven't given you the link. You guys know you get the American Prospect a year subscription, if you're a patron, a year subscription for just $24. So it's a 60% discount. You get it to your home if you become a patron. If you become a patron, you can get the online version for free. It already is for free, but this won't have any paywalls, pop-ups, etc. Um, but if you want that physical edition, uh, it is in your welcome notice when you become a patron. It's also posted now. So all patrons, if you miss that, the link is right there. Go sign up. We all love the American Prospect. We love David Dayan and all the work that they do over there. And we um, constantly sort of bring those stories up. So hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Let's get to it. Um, everybody, you know, what's your favorite? Let, let's just, there's so much to talk about. Um, so let's get into what we're bitching about quickly, and then we'll move to the big, big news. All right, folks. Well, uh, I don't want to take up too much time um, with what I am bitching about, you know, which could be a range of things like, what do you do with a baby all day? I don't know. Why would I pay for childcare? When half of the time the baby is around, is sleeping. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is all, what do you do? What am I, I need to get like a few lava lamps or something and suspend them from the ceiling. Um, anyway, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's mind-numbingly boring to be a parent and also like nothing but like the most pure, beautiful love I've ever felt in my life. So I'm bitching about, you know, it's like she can't enjoy this arraignment with me. And I'm like, oh, my God. In fact, I, I don't ever want her to know the name. I feel like Trump will be the unmentionable in my household. It's like the way I feel about tablets, you know, and like screen time. Like we should try and hold out on letting her know who Trump is for the longest amount possible. That is where I'm at. So that's what I'm bitching about. Uh, you know, 
what to do when you know you, you when the baby starts to get back muscles and when you get that upgrade you know because it can like sit up you can like go out to places and it can like sit there but right now it's just like i got like five seconds of, of back muscle time and then she flops over so um anyway don't call child protection services on me i'm just 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 a mom going through normal mom shit um, speaking of moms uh, who have been, are far more accomplished than I am and far more <laughs> far more um, active, actually, in terms of not just bitching about it, but being about it, former U.S. representative for California's 25th Congressional District and founder of a pack you need to know about, which is called Her Time. Please welcome Katie Hill to the show. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to have you here. Oh, my God. It's uh, what a day. <laughs> I'm really glad I'm spending it with you. I am too. Yeah, this is this is pretty neat. Good timing. Yeah, you know when you need you gotta where you're like, ah, I don't. What am I gonna do? I Instagram live about this? No, I gotta talk about it. I know. But first, Katie, because since this is evergreen, people might come back. They might listen to the show. You know, Trump might be indicted for the fourth time by the time folks listen to this. What are you bitching about now? That's maybe not about the Trump indictment. Yeah. Uh, so we'll probably talk about this more later. But um, I have been through some things in the last few years oh. and uh long story short i'm living with my mom which is actually pretty amazing but what i'm bitching about is the cost of housing yeah. everywhere it's not just it, personally i would like to not be living with my mom at 35 years old for too much longer and um and it's just so crazy expensive to move anywhere around la but i know that's happening across the country and the other work that i'm doing um is on homelessness which is that was my issue prior to running for Congress. And, yeah. um, and, and the situation has just gotten so much worse in terms of how expensive it is to um, be able to rent, let alone, like we're not even talking about buying, but no, um, just, no. just rent for, it's hard enough for regular people who, ha who make, you know, middle-class incomes, but for people who are living on the margins um, and, and struggling to, you know, make de a decent wage, it's impossible. And um, we're seeing that reflected in the number of people who are living on the streets and in shelters and in their cars. Absolutely. So. And I feel like there's, we, we always sort of go through this. We're still bumping up against, I think a lot of um, stigma around like, um, well, all you got to do is work hard. We'll work harder. Just work. Oh, just work harder. And then suddenly you'll be able to afford rent or a home or like, no, it, no. You know, and and so whenever we float like actual rent control, not just letting, you know, the market dictate everything, um, you know, stipends, right? Assistance, housing assistance, even not just for unhoused people, but like you're saying, middle income people, like then we get this constant barrage. You saw it under the like the student loan debt relief where it's oh, like, yeah. well, you get a handout. We live in a nanny state. And you're like, no, 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 you live in a state of like complete and utter fantasy land where somehow, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, talk about make America, like when did we, first of all, obviously, you know, early, you know, back in like fifties and sixties, I guess people could afford homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even up to the eighties and nineties, it was, it was more feasible, but now it's, it's just not people can't people who bought in our parents' generation and have stayed in their homes or have, you know, been able to flip it and buy bigger and bigger ones. Um, they don't get it. They just don't get how impossible it is to, you know, to to try to to enter that world um, as somebody who is, you know, our age or younger. Yeah, I live I live in a place where I'm like every a lot of people who 
like I'd never be able to afford to buy here, you know? Yeah. Moved in the pandemic, the rent was lower. Looking around, you know, at, at just like cursory look at like other rents in the area, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I pay less. This is insane. Are you? Yeah. Hold on to it as long as you can before they raise the rents on you. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, hell yeah. I, it doesn't matter. I'll live on this street. Doesn't matter. It wakes the kid up every hour, or whatnot, you know? So if I want to <laughs> complain about my landlord, I'm like, all right. But it's an important thing to, you know, to bitch about. And I think we live in like, again, a blue state. And I want to talk to you about this later about, you know, that's one of the biggest issues facing California mm -hmm. right now. It is. It is. I mean, the, the mayor's race was all about it in L.A., the um, the governor's race, like it, it's it's everywhere. And I, it's not going to get better for quite some time because there's so many factors that go into it. And we're doing the right things. I think California is heading in the right direction, um, but there's a long, long way to go. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, let's. Let's turn, of course, uh, to the big, 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 big news, which is that Donald Trump has been indicted. That's right. Here he is, real mad, just <laughs> steely-eyed, um, walking into, this is what, 2.30 um, Eastern time, walking in to be arraigned in the courtroom. Um, here, it just, you know, otherwise I'm not really worried about this, but like, having i think nypd flanking him with maybe some of his secret service oh no that's his i think he's got his lawyers behind him i'm not sure i think these are nypd or they're his secret service i don't know do secret service wear badges like that no i think i'm pretty sure they're nypd that's what i think so i'm like hell yeah i've been there too um <laughs> i've been arrested a couple times um oh, nice yeah there he is uh here we are in seated with his lawyers He's slumped over. His hair is looking quite quaffed. I will say that, though. He's got the quaff down. The, he he blow-dried it special today. Oh, yeah. The Aquanet is working real good. <laughs> um, that's what he was doing on the plane. I, oh, my God. So here, it, it, you know what? This is a satisfying. This is just satisfying. It's just it beautiful. Is. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's been so, so long coming. And um, I think that's why, you know, is this the crime that he should he should most be uh, held accountable for he's got ones that are way worse like in you know inciting an insurrection but uh at least it's something at yes. least there is some sort of justice even just an indictment is like how i'm happy about that as a because it, it seemed for so long like nothing was going to happen so i know um, i know yeah. and 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 it's nice to see that like yes the wheels of justice it might like move slowly but eventually you know, this comes down. I mean, we were talking about Stormy Daniels in 2016. Literally, Michael Cohen came on to or came to testify in front of oversight where I, when I was the vice chair under Elijah Cummings. And um, that was that was early on when I was in 2019. And I remember when that happened, my staff and I were talking about like, oh, my God, this is so historic. This yeah. is like, you know, a president, the fact that a president did something like this and and we might be holding him account. What a joke. Like, yeah, there was no accountability. There was it. it and I can get into that for a million years, but um, <laughs> no. But yeah, to to know how much worse it got from there is is pretty wild to look at it in hindsight. Right. This is one of the four. We've got Georgia and finding eleven thousand whatever the hell votes he wanted. Um, we've got the stolen documents, and we've got the yes, inciting an insurrection, trying to overturn the de uh, democracy um, or an election. So yeah. Not not the most the gravest one, but definitely I think the most scintillating and exciting and shoe on the other foot and we, fitting 
It's really just fitting. Fitting. Absolutely <laughs> fitting. I said this on Newsbroke, which was at the time was like, look, him getting taken down by his favorite vice, um, which is just like, yeah, uh, women. You know, um, it's like and doing shady things with money like. and doing things with money at the same time because it's perfect. It's like, you know, Oompa Loompas are going to roll him out of the Oval Office because right. it's so on the nose what he would be taken down for. Um, and also all of the and we can get into, you know, all the mudslinging at Stormy Daniels and her also being someone, you know, who is a porn star who's like open about that right like she's not hiding it it's fine and kind of like she is she gets called all kinds of names but because she does what she does and we're live we're in you know 2023 it's like yeah this is a job we can all move on with our lives if it were the 90s the 80s housing might have been more affordable but as a porn star <laughs> you'd have to sort of live in shame you know what right. a terrible profession um and all yeah. that yeah, I think I think uh, we've come a long way on sex work. There's still a long way to go, but you know, yes, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. She seems to be getting a solid amount of respect that probably would not have uh, been afforded her a couple decades ago. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, all right. Well, okay. So the indictment's been unsealed. People are, you know, uh, smarter than me are digging through it. But it looks like um, this, is according to the New York Times, uh, there's thirty to thirty, thirty to thirty-four counts. Um, fe 34 felony charges. Um, they were elevated to class E felonies, um, which is the lowest level of felony in New York state penal code. Um, the grounds are that it was intended, the conduct was intended to conceal another crime. Now, I don't think that crime is sleeping with a couple of women. I think it was, it's something campaign else. Finance. It, I think it's campaign finance, right? Right. Yeah. So it's not only that he did the campaign finance um, fraud or the violation or the felony, but that he then worked to cover the actual thing up, which mm -hmm. is what he's did. You know, it's what he did in the, in the documents case. It's like, yeah, not only did you take the documents, but once we subpoenaed you, you went and hid them somewhere else. And we're learning that this week. Um, so, yeah. So it accuses him of violating election laws, making false entries in the business record of various entities in New York. The key legal question in the case was always how the district attorney would take the falsifying of business records charge a misdemeanor and make it a felony. Um, so, again, they're all 34 of them are felonies. And he pleaded not guilty. Apparently he was seated, said not guilty. Um, and there was no there were no handcuffs. There doesn't seem like there was even a mugshot, by the way. Yeah, I'm a little bummed by that. But at the same time, like he would have used that so happily for his campaign that it's it's probably for the best. <laughs> you know, I'm not that person who's like, oh, this is going to this is just really riling up his base. And this is going to mean he's going to win. No, 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 I don't agree with that. Mm -mm. Um, but I totally agree that that mugshot is delicious. I like as wonderful as we would have wanted it. I'm trying not to say the word delicious. It's, I know it's gross, especially when I'm talking about Trump. <laughs> but like as perfect as that would have been, yeah, they would have put it on shirts in a proud oh, way. Yeah. Yes. And like been like, and especially this was going to be, this is very exciting. Um, wait, hang on. He maybe, if he needed a, a, a mugshot, it would have been a group mugshot. This is according to a source that spoke to, the Ro to Rolling Stone. I wish I was joking, oh, but I'm not God. because Secret Service would have had to be there. So can you imagine, Katie, like him? Was just like flanked by Secret Service, looking all. You badass. gotta wonder too, like how much those Secret Service people hate him. Like oh, yeah. I can't imagine they're big fans. No. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah, no, that would have been. I... It'll probably come if he if he actually faces these other more serious charges, and I hope he does. If you got four, 
four shots at a mugshot, maybe one will happen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and apparently, so you know, this is again according to the Rolling Stone that he wanted he wanted the scene, so he was offered the chance to surrender quietly and be arraigned over Zoom. Wow, what a <laughs> fitting way. Twenty, the pandemic's been so kind. Um, yep. Instead, he opted for a midday high-profile booking at the Manhattan courthouse. He wanted a perp walk. He wanted daylight hours, said the law enforcement official who's involved in aspects of the security planning. This is his opinion, but here he says he wants to get out of the vehicle, walk up the stairs. This is a nightmare for Secret Service, but they can only strongly suggest not order that Trump enter through the, through the secure tunnels. Trump wants to greet the crowd. This should surprise no one, especially not his detail. Um, so right. He wanted that shot. I don't know if he actually entered through like a tunnel. I think he was just, I know I was wondering that too, um, because we don't have a shot from outside, but I believe he was more just flanked by his own security and whatnot. Um, so what was happening outside? There's just a few things that I want to show you. Um, Marjorie green showed up because of course she did. And apparently, um, he she was not able to be heard when she spoke to the crowd um this is according to garrett hake of nbc news he says one of the wildest scenes i witnessed at a protest just concluded with a mob of photographers reporters and counter protesters blowing whistles bracketing green's walk from her suv to brief and almost entirely inaudible remarks in the park before going back to her car in a matter of minutes so she popped out said something came back but it were all these whistles and so garrett caught up with why they had all these whistles apparently it was some dude was just handing out whistles <laughs> um and here i can't pinpoint his accent exactly i want to claim italian but that's just the italian in me and there's like a part of him that sort of reminds me of my dad but here's whistle dude or whistleblower uh if you will um being interviewed about why the hell if he supported trump why would he give a bunch of whistles out to people that that just masked what marjorie wanted to say Hey man, can I ask you a question? So, uh, the whistles, where did you get that idea? Huh? Where'd you get the idea for whistles? Uh, make the noise, take one. Oh, I'm good, but they, yeah, yeah. So, so are you, are you here, you're pro-Trump. Yeah, yeah. You're handing out whistles to... Yeah, 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 yeah. Make a noise, make a noise, everybody must hear us. Interesting. And everybody must hear us. You don't worry that might be drowning out Marjorie Taylor Greene or whatever over there? You don't worry that might be drowning out the people speaking? I like to make a noise. I'm here to make a noise. This is not a place to, to speak right now. I, very this good point. A, you know, we're here to make noise. They have to hear us. Make America great again. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> make noise. We're here to make noise. And you know what, Katie? That's that's as, as good of an encapsulation of MAGA oh, mentality sure. as anything else. Now, what you say doesn't matter. What anyone has to say doesn't matter. Just make noise. Yeah, what? Would you like a whistle? I'm sorry, like, just, oh, bless him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. very, very funny. And I just love that she was drowned out by everyone just blowing on a whistle. It's like the Vuvuzela of the Trump in, uh, indictment. Um, yep. And then here was Representative Jamal Bowman, which I don't know if you saw last week, um, him uh, getting in, what was it, Representative Massey's face? Oh, yeah, I did see that. About, about gun yeah, issues. about gun control and all that. And here he is, uh, Representative Bowman, um, been on the show before, very exciting. And he is just, he's down there but outside of the arraignment calling Marjorie out. 
Do your freaking job, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You don't need to be in New York City talking that nonsense. Go back to your district. You're not, what are you doing here? You're here for politics. You're here because you want to be VP. You're here for your own fundraising. You're here for your own nonsense. Nonsense. He's right. You're here for your own nonsense. And like, and he, she just made an appearance. She just got out and... I'm curious, did you, what did you make? Did you watch at all? Uh, I was going to bitch about this, how Marjorie was interviewed by Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. No, I refused. I was, I was too mad about it. I, I couldn't believe they were having her on. I mean, that's, that's my feeling. I understand that she's an elected official. I can barely understand Don't that. give her a platform. Do not give, like, literally she's, she's psychotic. She's, and, and, you know, I, I work with people with mental health issues. Like I, I'm not trying to be disparaging about people with mental health issues. <laughs> right. Right. It is a problem and, and nobody, uh, no legitimate news outlet should be giving her the time of day. Not at all. Especially when there's so many other people, I, like I was saying, okay. you know, I had representative Summer Lee on first black woman in Pennsylvania to rep, you know, nationally. I had, uh, I mean, I haven't had him, but Maxwell Frost, youngest Gen Z representative from Florida at a time when, you know, Florida's losing it, but he's this, you could have a many, many people on. You don't so need to have Marjorie Green on. Um, okay, final clown who was at, not Jamal, but final clown who was at this arraignment. Uh, none other than George Santos. Um, of course, here he is uh, wearing his, we'll decide what kind of designer. I'm feeling, I don't know, I think it's Prada. I think he's more Prada than Gucci, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Here, here was George Santos making an appearance outside of the courthouse. Is any president above the law? No. But is, is, is this DA going to start criminalizing criminals? Hillary, I didn't, how do you know what's Where's Hunter Biden's happened? indictment? Two years of a laptop full, a treasure trove if of crime. Former, if the former president committed a crime, if he committed a crime, should he Are you, should he is anybody accusing me of something? Are, are, are you judge and jury? Congressman, if the former president committed a crime, should he be held accountable, though? This That's is not that crime, though. This, why not? It's been, this is old news. Okay. Just just that guy is so much. He's a very lot. snazzy. It's very snazzy. Like, um yeah. also like lip injections? Can we can we talk oh, talk about sure. him? Sure. There's, some, there's, <laughs> there's some filler happening in a few places, I think. You know, okay, Katie, I have to talk to you about this because here we have Marjorie Green, uh Jewish space laser lady. Um, we have Donald Trump who obviously massively unqualified for his job uh crim criminal um and george santos who's still not been asked to resign by the head of the republican party and i can't help but see these three people surrounded in this clown show in the year 2023 and then be sitting down with you and think oh my god why are you still not in office <laughs> no. well yeah no i mean it, the the standards are are so different, right? For, for that, that side of part, that side of the aisle just doesn't have any, I think that's, we can all see that that's the case. Um, you know, my resignation too was, it was a, it was a personal choice. It was one that I had, I decided to make because the, you know, the, the, the impact of having your nude photos, uh, shared with the entire world and becoming the focus of, of that, you know, uh, attempt by the right wing to, to basically make you, I don't know, their, their poster child of, of attack that they, you know, that they wanted to make against all Democrats and women and everything else. Like that just, that was not something that I wanted to sit through no. and continue. 
I like I I'm not somebody who wanted to be a politician my whole life. That was, you know, a turn in in course after Trump was elected because I felt like I had to do more. Um, but it was you have to decide at a certain point, like how much are you willing to put up with? And how, and I wasn't I, I just wasn't. Um, and, it, so. and it's sort of interesting the way that, you know, for all of um, someone like George Santos or Anthony DeVolders, you know, for all of his lies and sort of the attacks, which are generally obviously I mean, some Republicans have critiqued him, but they're coming from, you know, Democrats and liberals. Um, obviously, he's a man. There's a different tenor even even on both sides there's a different tenor when someone's you know has has that privilege but you don't see like him exposing the massive death threats the like you know insane you know all the stuff that he's done is like really like you you know really out there and in your face it's not what was done against you obviously but it's also like that just the tone of it it, you know, it's personal, but it's only personal because he made it personal by lying over and over and over again. Right. Um, well, and he's, I mean, just to see, like, he's, he's perfectly comfortable going out in public and walking around and, and yes. isn't, he's defensive about it, but you know, like, what are you accusing me of a crime? But he doesn't, he's not afraid. And the fact that he's not afraid, like that was a, that was a huge part of my decision to resign. Like my, my family was getting followed around. Yeah. There were it, I mean, it was it was disgusting. My office was had um had suspicious packages sent to them with like white powder in them. We had uh, so many disgusting messages, emails, phone. The voicemails were particularly horrifying. Um, and it's I I don't know. I I just don't think he's getting that. Like, yeah. I, I'm, maybe maybe, but I I feel like no no. Yeah. I mean, again, I think <laughs> we don't generally like we dabble in like memes and, you know, I guess sometimes calling, I mean, we should call Congress and our elected officials, but like not a lot of death threats generally no. lobbed from democratic voters and their base. I guess I want to ask not really you, our vibe, yeah, not really not our vibe. Thing. I want to ask you about that double standard though, when it comes to like, you know, the right really ducked under, you know, the me too movement happened after Trump was elected. I believe it probably wouldn't have happened had Trump not won um, because right. it was so yeah. clear. We just elected, you know, the me too in chief. Um, and the right has had this attitude of, oh, I'm just never going to admit when I've done something wrong ever. And mm -hmm. um, their party doesn't ask them to resign. Their party doesn't put pressure on them. Their party supports them. You had Matt Schlapp, right, the head of CPAC, only recently being yep. accused of sexual assault against a staffer. And that just, that's just, he's, he's just there. He's still there. Yeah, I mean, what we've, I think what they've proven is that deny, deny, deny is is the most uh, effective strategy, right? Because and, yeah. and then they turn it on its head to be, to, to say that people are persecuting them. And, um, and this, this is just, you know, I don't know. I think we, I think we genuinely, and I say we meaning Democrats, um, have a, a much more realistic sense of our own <laughs> fallibility. I don't know. I mean, maybe that, that maybe that's just me. I'm sure there are plenty. I, yeah. It's just, well, like I think you, that's what's like, up, own it <laughs> for sure. I mean, well, accepting reality is generally part of like, uh, you know, a liberal, pro-democratic mindset right like right, denying right. that reality is everything to do with the folks who are like denying people abortion rights uh taking away books that talk about real things that happen in history all that crap mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um when you when all this happened to you right when um 
when your ex-husband, you know, effectively worked with a right-wing news outlet to expose revenge porn and nude images mm -hmm. of you, mm -hmm. what, like, what support did you receive from inside Congress? I will say that this is a little bit of an uh, under-emphasized fact, and, and a lot of people kind of get it wrong, uh, but not a single person from within the Democratic caucus, mm -hmm. so nobody in Congress uh, that was a Democrat, told me that I should resign. And in fact, I had a, a lot, including the speaker, say that I should not resign. And because they've seen scandals, right? You've been there a long enough time. You right. you watch it happen and pe people survive them. You kind of go low, you go under the radar for a while, you right. wait it out. And um, and I don't know, I, I think that that politically, there's a pretty good chance I, I could have survived it. Um, there was a poll actually after I left, it was like the next year and, and it showed that I was I was still beating the Republican in the district, even after the scandal had been like well absorbed into the news and everything. So, uh, I, yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't have anybody tell me to resign. So, um, there's that's, but, but I also have... didn't have a lot of people coming out publicly and supporting me. Right. Yeah. So that's another thing that we aren't, I don't think we're as good about defending our own. And, and sometimes that's a good thing because we, we shouldn't always defend our own. Um, but we don't, we don't circle the wagons and protect in the same way. Right. And especially, um, with the, like, especially online, right. It's the same thing of like, you know, you see someone who you like, who you believe, who, you know, is your friend, maybe getting like brigaded by tr a bunch of trolls, whatnot. Yeah. And if you try to defend, then you sick them on yourself, right. It's just mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. like, you know, distracting the hornet's nest for a little bit. Yep. And it's really messed up that it dissuades people from supporting the, their friends and you know i mean like i guess what i was thinking you know for a minimal like lesser extent you know the head of project veritas former head um like sicked his little trolls on me i just muted them it was fine you know who knows maybe someone's stalking me right now yay but like but i didn't get any support you know what i mean i had done a story mm -hmm. for it this is for tyt and i'm not trying to call out TYT. it doesn't matter but i'm like oh oh shit dude like if anything really happened like this is the ghoul of all ghoul trolling ghouls. How am I being supported? Right? Like how right. are you as a congressperson being supported um, or just as a civilian being supported when these kinds of threats are happening? Cause that's the other piece of this. It's kind of like, Oh, you're on your own, do your own PR, do your own security, do your own, you know, and I think AOC's yep. called this out as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad she has. Um, and that she's drawn some attention to it because she, I, truly she's, I worry about her safety all the time. I think that, you know, it, she's become less of that, that public face of that, you know, that the Republicans are loving to attack just because they have Biden and Hunter and mm -hmm. all that. Um, but she would, she's so recognizable as a, a villain to the right that when the first thing I thought about when, well, not the first thing, but one of the first things I thought about when January 6th was happening was, oh my God, I hope she gets somewhere safe because if they got to her, it would have just been horrible. She's tiny. She is, yeah, she's yeah. And, and they don't give you security. They don't give you your own security. And um, yeah, anyway, it's it's just. Yeah. And then bad. and then it's when bad. she actually openly spoke about it, which, again, I think is also does feel more like a first, you know, to to show that vulnerability. And I mm -hmm. think more women in office, um, which I know you're all about with your new pack, like that's that's really important. Actually, speaking about your fears, speaking about, you know, your past traumas, you know, and I know you who've had your life yeah thrust into public view have had to 
do this and talk about that. And that takes an incredible amount of bravery. Um, and, and I wanted to talk about like what's so chilling about your case to me, I think is that it was this outlet red state media and like mm -hmm. the proliferation of online, um, right wing rags, um, yep has made it such that like they're kind of claiming media status when they oh, just 100%. when they're yeah. just kind of like some dude threw together like a glorified blog so blog. i know that that's how you actually lost because you sued them mm -hmm. and you lost that suit because they were protected under some media statute first protect amendment yep right yeah, they, they, they claimed first amendment protection and the judge basically went for it she so in california we have something called anti-slap laws that is it's meant to prevent frivolous lawsuits against the media when people don't like what they have to say. Right. Uh, that is not the same thing as publishing your naked images without your consent, um, which is which Insane. is supposed to be protected in in California. Um, uh, that, that was passed several years ago, but there's never been a case before mine where those two laws were kind of, uh, um, you know, pitted against each other, right? And mm -hmm. the judge decided, and I'm sure it's because of the constitutionality piece that, this, you know, the First Amendment prevailed and the anti-slap laws prevailed. And so my case was dismissed before it was ever heard. Um, and I was ordered to pay the media outlets uh, that I had sued, which is a totally, can I say, I can cast off the yeah. situation. Fuck, this fucked. It's totally <laughs> fucked. Um, and, uh, and so that's why I'm living with my mom, because I had to declare bankruptcy after that whole thing, when I had hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees that I was ordered to pay. And, um, <sighs> So no. yeah, it's it's just been it, but but to, back to your point, the the um first amendment protection shouldn't apply. It's not it's not the press. You shouldn't get to be called the press just because you call yourself the press. Like right. I just I feel like there's there's got to be some kind of standard and, and I don't know how you draw that line. I'm not that's not my honestly that's not my job to figure out, but I know that it's not right that yeah. uh, that it's that, yeah, these no, because you can't. I mean, look, it's, it's one thing to be like, okay, in a perfect world, in a vacuum, you know, again, the way sort of libertarian brain works, you know, or whatever, like the First Amendment would only be like, it's like, I get it, you don't want to infringe on that, but in practice, yeah. you just allowed, you know, a vindictive, abusive, uh, you know, former partner to public to like work with this so called media outlet and publish photos of you, like, and without... the person, the person who was the supposed journalist was also the former campaign manager of one of my Republican rivals. Right. So like, and, and the, the other person who, who, uh, who I had sued in conjunction with, you know, spreading the images and everything, he's a right-wing blogger, radio host, whatever, who is the chair or was the chair at the time of the Republican party locally. Uh, so it, so it's like, how can you say that this is not political? This is not this is this is not just about free speech in any way, shape, or form. This is about something that's fundamentally wrong. And one of the uh, areas I've sort of focused on since I left is on really developing, um, you know, helping to develop a coalition and being part of a coalition, a global coalition uh, addressing image-based sexual abuse. And because yeah. we don't even, we still don't even have a federal law, basically criminalizing revenge porn, um, and it needs to happen. Yes, absolutely. And I even feel like, and this is thanks to, I mean, thanks to your work and also your case that like, just since 2019, I feel like we have way more knowledge um, of the 
of like revenge porn of the ways how terrible it was and i think by everyone i mean yes you did resign on your own accord because of the yeah i cannot imagine the toll but i think everyone looks at it and is like this was so fucked this was the most fucked awful case um and it should not have happened to you or nor anyone um yeah and i do think that i genuinely believe that most women if it happened to I, I don't think it's very likely to happen to another um female elected official just because of how like they might try mm. but i don't think that they will have the same success at at spreading the images all over the place because i think people are more afraid of uh the consequences backfiring um which is you know which is probably why i would have won if i ran for re-election because it would have i think it would have it genuinely backfired i had a lot of republicans even say like they sh they shouldn't have been able to do that to mm. you so what do you I don't know. do I you mean, have any regrets about that. do of not running again i think regret is a tough word um i have certainly had times over the years that i you know i i have wandered in that direction right like but i have a son now that would and, and he wouldn't have happened if i were in office and you know um I, I i just don't believe that would have been possible but yeah um because i i had fertility issues previously and i think that being in office and and all the stress that your body's going under i i, I don't think it, i would have been able to overcome that um and i so so regret is tough and i don't wish that i was there right now at at all but I do. You didn't want to be in the Capitol on <laughs> on January sixth, twenty twenty one. No, but I was still living in D.C. there, and my partner, my you know, uh -huh. my son's dad yeah. was there. So he because he's a reporter. So um, yeah. Well, I didn't know he dad. was there at the time. Oh my god. Yeah, that was terrifying. So, um, he was outside of it though, which thank was, God, I guess better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, they're running the other way, babe. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. going away Jesus. from me. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's. I mean. Yeah, I then, then then my head starts spinning about, you know, how much we need to support moms who are also in office. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, and yeah, because like I mm -hmm. like having having so deeply experienced like the the toll of of running and serving an elected office. I know that I don't I don't want to do that. while Finn's young. Like I, I just don't I don't I'm not willing to to risk so much. I'm not willing to sacrifice so much because you do have to sacrifice time with your family it's just a it's just a fact yeah um that job is too too much for me to want to do now and i don't know that i i, I don't know that i would have felt that way um you know if, if i'd become a mom first and then run i think you have a certain amount of uh idealism and you can let yourself believe that whole everything is possible i don't I don't know. It's hard. No, no, I, I look at mom's in office and I think, holy shit, like, how are you doing this? Oh, for sure. I think, you know, being a mom, it's a, it, it like, it can go either way. You know, some people say it really radicalized them. It made them like way more involved because they, you know, feel like they have someone to fight for. I feel, mm -hmm. I feel like maybe I'm in that, but I'm also like now when I'm in a plane and I worry, like, I'm like, maybe it's like, this could crash. It'll be all good. I've left my legacy. There you go. <laughs> you know, there she is. Goodbye. No, but, uh, yeah peace uh it's it's uh yeah it's it's both like not sweating the big stuff a little bit right there's a little bit of not sweating doing what you can do and you're back actually in action right like you're back working what are you doing now and can you tell us about uh her time yeah so 
my day job as as it were is back in homeless services which is what i was doing um prior to uh running for office and i always like for for most of my adult life i thought that that was where i was going to spend my entire career so i'm i'm happy to be doing that again that's it's so fulfilling and also so so challenging and frustrating because homelessness is the result of so many failed policies and uh, or lack of policies and and you can't just you can only it's kind of like you know uh taking water out of a sinking ship. You can only do so much. We're helping as many people as we can, but in, in less and until you change these systemic failures, uh, we're not gonna solve the problem. So that's that's my day job. And can I um, ask you about that in the, you know, and this sort of goes back to our yeah. we started about, but like, you know, my hope is to actually, you know, again, California eventually breaks off into the Pacific. Um, you know, we see <laughs> from the nice. union. <laughs> now that we've got all this rain, we don't need your stinky asses yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got water. Thank you. We've got weed, water, wine. Everything's fine. Um, but but I do sort of think about California as like, well, if we can try and make it here, but we have all these like, you know, elitist, swan, semi-liberal, like centrist, just like Yes, we have some MAGA areas, but we also just have, again, elitist homeowners who don't want anything to change and don't want their yep. property values to go down. Yep. And still don't want to pay a lot in taxes. Like they're not going to complain as loudly as, as the, as you know, their Republican counterparts. But when, it, when push comes to shove, they're not happy about it. And they, uh, they definitely don't, they, they'll, they'll put lip service or, or, you know, char smaller charitable donations um, that aren't at the size that's needed to be mm. able to fix the problem. Right. Um, Cause it is going to take, it's going to take a massive investment. It's going to take rich people paying more in taxes. It's going to take them sacrificing their, you know, uh, single home uh, designations, right. Where we need to be able to build more multifamily housing. That means that poor people might live in the same neighborhoods as rich people. And that's, yes. you know, not something that people are, are inclined to support. They don't even want um, services. I mean, that's whenever you discuss, like speaking of like removing water from a sinking ship, like, you discuss harm reduction if you discuss mm -hmm. you know yes how unhoused you know services for the unhoused it's like yeah yeah that's great not in my neighborhood mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah yeah do it do it down in down in those other parts where i never even drive through mm -hmm. exactly no and we did get the the like the single family units where there was some change i think in la where you're now allowed yeah. to build which is great yeah yeah they've made it and they, they've made statewide changes too um because we, like I said, we are moving in the right direction. It's just going to take a lot uh, and building, building more units, making sure that those units are affordable and not just for the rich people who can afford, you know, these luxury condos. Um, that's, that's part of it, but it's also mental health is a huge factor and, and general income inequality. Um, and, and, you know, sort of the breakdown of the social safety net that is particularly bad in certain areas in the areas where people it's it's racial issues it's criminal justice issues it's so many things that, and i i genuinely do believe that compared to when i started in this field 15 years ago i guess it's 15 yeah 15, a little longer um i started right in college um that we have we have gone very far in the right direction but in the right direction um, in the right direction we have yeah in california i'm certainly not going to say in the rest of the country um, but we're, people are much more accepting of harm reduction and much more accepting of, you know, the realities of having to build affordable housing and, um, and, and just the way people, uh, the uh, more people get it and, um, are, 
you know, generally supportive than, than they were previously. Yeah. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that we're, we're all the way there. I, okay. Final question on, on California. And I'm sorry, just because it's just, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm invested here in a yeah. way and I want people like you leading this state. <laughs> I want <laughs> you to get back into politics. Um, I guess, you know, cause I'm remembering Gavin Newsom, governor Newsom just vetoed like a safe injection site bill. Yeah. Yeah, Just I was recently. really disappointed. I'm really disappointed by that. And, um, you know, I, I've 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 been a supporter of his. He's been a supporter of mine. Um, I just don't I don't think that that was the right call. And I think he caved uh, because he's planning on running for president at some point. So uh, I. So why? Know, I, so he doesn't want it. Is it fear that it'll come back to bite you that like yes. the Republicans will use that? They'll use anything. Uh, it, I, I don't think it's just the Republicans, though, right? Because it's because, you know, it's this whole class of people that don't 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 want to recognize that you um, there are some measures that need to be taken that aren't necessarily palatable, right? Like you don't like the idea and uh, 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 your average voter, unless they're really informed on the issue, doesn't like the idea of the government basically pr- providing drugs for people or right. providing providing straight safe needles they're not actually providing the drugs no helping people not and, die exactly yeah that's yeah but um but that's the way that they spin it is that you're you're just giving drugs to people and um <laughs> do they think the needles have drugs in them like the government gavin Newsom is gonna get that h yo yeah, he's I definitely know. helping yeah, i know <laughs> yeah, just go just go stand in line he'll hand it out yeah <laughs> Um, okay. But, so then what about yeah. my wish for you to get back into politics? <laughs> I have not completely written it off, but what I will say is that if I were to run again, I do not think I would want to do it in a district that is, is as, as split as the one that I ran it. Now, yeah. the, the district that I, that I represented is it's now, it was CA 25 when I was in it, uh, with redistricting it, it's now called CA 27 and it actually has less of the the most conservative areas um, but it's still held by a republican so it's going to be one of the biggest toss-up uh, seats you know it com- coming up in 2024 for us to be able to gain back the house um so i'll be i'll be uh, focusing a lot of my attention um through my pack and through my personal efforts on that race and on that, flipping it back to a democrat that's great. but i don't want to i don't want to run it. i just again i no, just right. know how much harder it is for people in these purple districts who have to in the first quarter the first months after getting elected, you already have to raise another million dollars to be able to, you know, to try and secure your seat the next time around. And it's just too, too much. It's just too much. So if I were to run again, I would probably do it, you know, when I move out of my mom's house <laughs> in a district that is, a, that's a safer blue seat. No, put mom be... to work, Katie. This is, that's what <laughs> grandparents are for, man. You watch oh, the oh, that's great. That Yeah, that part is great. It's just, um, you know. <laughs> um katie hill former representative of ca25 i'm so honored to have spoken with you thank you for your your candor and your commitment and your passion it's so it comes through and i yeah you have so many people's support um and i know it's a rough moment and it's been a few rough years but you know my god you have we have your back you know, thank you. Um, well, tell anybody who's listening, uh, go to her-time.com um, to check out the pack. And we're going to be doing a lot of important work, mobilizing young women voters and supporting uh, women on the ballot um, in the next it, this election cycle. Couldn't be more important, especially when you see how the Republicans, I mean, they didn't get their ass handed to them, but they got a cheek handed to them, you know, based sure. on their stance on abortion rights. Yep.
Yeah. And that's, that's our whole premise is that if you engage women and, and especially young women, we will be able to change the tide. Yes. All right. Katie B. Very well. Thank you so much. Come back. And thank you all for being here. We're going to jump to my next guest. You guys get two guests in one show. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> um, wait, but first, let's take one second to, add, to thank uh, Sweet Ain Dragon for becoming a member. Um, I'm giving into YouTube memberships. Last time, I think I was the first to do so. Let's see if Franny notices. Oh, I notice. Um, Graph1980, thank you for your super chat. Hell yeah. Fran is a master Trump troller. Love the singing. Entertainment education makes life easier to digest. Um, Camperman5000, shit these days. A mid-sized new truck costs as much as a home once did, honestly. Um, TMNFL on YouTube. I make 50 grand a year and just barely escape moving into my car before finding a place that's affordable, in quotes, and it's still too high. It's insane. Insane. Um, and let's see. Robert th is uh, correcting us. There's a uniform secret service, the United States Secret Service Uniform District Division is the federal police force of the secret U.S. Secret Service. Okay. But I still think there were NYPD there. So that's, but anyway, um, I want to bring in to discuss this very exciting election that's happening in Chicago right, right, right now. Um, he is the web editor at In These Times, based in Chicago, Miles Camp Lassen. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, exciting day on all accounts. Of course, Trump's indictments eclipsing this in i mean kind of eclipsing but not really for you know chicagoans and people paying attention to like you know the real shit uh about the you know this mayoral race that's happening right now um why why is this election so historic yeah so uh of course we have the trump uh, arraignment happening in new york city in uh wisconsin there's a high profile Supreme Court race uh, going on today as well. So a big day in politics, but here in Chicago, there's really a uh, monumental occasion of uh, two very different strands of politics facing off against one another, ostensibly two Democrats going head to head, although one of them is from the far right end of the spectrum, if you even wanna call it as part of the Democratic uh, uh, party, he's, uh, a former head of the school system in uh, Chicago named Paul Vallis. Uh, the CEO of the school system, is that correct? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, in Chicago, there's this weird, basically in the mid-90s, there was this, it's a long story, but there was an effort that was actually led by Republicans in Springfield in um you know, alignment with uh, Mayor Daley at that time, who was kind of a conservative uh, Democrat himself, who was a longtime mayor of the city. Uh, they worked to put the schools under mayoral control. So most cities across the country, you know, there's some democracy when it comes to the school system. In Chicago, right. for, for decades, since the mid-90s, the schools have been under a board of education that's appointed by the mayor. Uh, and, and that included the head of the system, which was no longer a superintendent, but in the 90s became a chief executive officer, as you said, a CEO. And Paul Ballas was the first one of those. Um, wow. So, and is that still the case with education in Chicago now? Or is it so actually has it moved to elections? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it, this past uh, year just saw a really incredible change in which an elected school board was 
um, both embraced by Demo uh, Democratic voters in Chicago and across the state, the state approved it. So there will be, it's gonna phase in, but there is gonna be an elected school board now. Um, it's gonna take a few years okay. before it fully becomes, you know, the people choosing and the mayor is still gonna have an outweighed say, but yes, there has been movement. And in fact, one of the big champions of that effort to bring more democracy to the school system is Paul Vallis's opponent in the race, Brandon Johnson, who is a former public school teacher and former uh, union organizer with the Chicago Teachers Union and a longtime um, backer of really a strong progressive vision that includes, you know, social investments and alternatives to the type of over-policing that um, has marked the uh, city for so long. And, you know, what's interesting about the race is that while Paul Vallis has gotten so much funding from right-wing forces, you know, there's people like Ken Griffin, who's this Republican mega donor who actually just fled Illinois and moved to Florida because he was like, you know, the Democrats are, uh, you know, too out of control. He's still using, you know, his billions of dollars. He's a hedge fund manager of Citadel, which is a very powerful hedge fund. He's using that yeah. to fund all these uh, efforts to, you know, blunt progressive policies. He spent millions of dollars to stop a progressive income tax from passing in Illinois. And he Jesus. is, and his, you know, allies are the people that are funding Paul Vallis. Paul Vallis is still claiming to be a Democrat, but he has said, you know, that he, back in 2009, actually right before, right after Obama won the presidency, he said he was more of a Republican than, than a Democrat. And, you know, a lot of people have seen that as a bit of like a dog whistle thing of like, you know, the first black man is elected as the head of the Democratic Party and as, a, a, you know, as president. And then he decided to jet, you know, and leave the party and, and call yourself a Republican. He also says he's fundamentally opposed to abortion. He's attacked unions time and time again. He's, um, you know, been sure. on the, Yeah, so, so, so he's basically so he's a right-wing like guy. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and but because it's Chicago, he feels like he can he's got to moonlight or pretend to be a Democrat um, in order to win the mayoral race. And of course, this is after Lori Lightfoot was ousted by voters and didn't get into the top two. And that's why you've got Brandon Johnson, who we're all pulling for and we're rooting for and go Chicago against, yes, this, um, you know, sort of free market loving um, teacher hating Paul Vallis and who's yes we'll get into some of the weird things he said but I want to ask about like what's their narrative like what are they running on you know in the wake of Lori Lightfoot you know who I think was criticized rightly in my opinion obviously by the left and progressives for her handling of the Black Lives Matter movement and criminal justice reform or lack thereof and then probably criticized by the right for the exact same thing what what are what's the narrative that both Vallis and Johnson are floating here? What are they offering? Sure. So Brandon Johnson has said his goal is to kind of repair the tale of two cities that has marked Chicago for for many decades now, where you have massive investment from you know uh, hedge funds and you know corporate centers that are funneling money into downtown and into north uh, the, the north side and into wealthier, whiter areas, whereas we've seen mass disinvestment um, across much of the parts of the city that are, you know, occupied by residents of color, frankly, and that, have, that are poor, that have been left behind. And to in order to reconcile that, he's proposed 
basically a downward redistribution of wealth, taxing the wealthy and corporations and massively increasing investments into uh, these areas that have been left behind. And some of the ways of doing that has been a proposal to have year round funding for youth employment. Um, which, as many studies have shown, is the way to actually attack the root causes of, of crime and violence, not to mention poverty, which is endemic in, in these areas. Um, and so it's really a progressive vision based on equality and equity in the city um, that would mm -hmm. be transformational, considering the way that uh, corporate-backed interests have controlled uh, politics in the city for so long, both under Daly as well as Rahm Emanuel, who was... Um, you know, mayor for, for, for many years himself, he basically handed the city over to the highest bidder and pushed all these privatization plans, closed schools. And certainly Paul Vallis is promising more of the same. And, and I would say about Lori Lightfoot is that she promised a progressive vision. That's what she ran on. And I think that's why she won is because she made commitments to invest in affordable housing, to support um, alternative approaches to things like mental health, you know, to increase investments, to uh, fund public schools. And then she reneged on those promises once she got into office. Mm. She pretty much pretty quickly, you know, shifted her, her politics to become more like her predecessors and Rahm Emanuel. And Paul Vallis, what he's running on is he just says, you know, crime and cops all the time, basically. He's, right. he's just trying to do a laser focus on the issue of crime and, and public safety. But his solutions to that are not the kind of more comprehensive approaches that Brandon Johnson's offering. They're strictly, let's put more money and um, and hire more cops and put you know put money into law enforcement. Whereas we've seen that's been the strategy for so many years, right. and we've only seen the police budget increase. We've only seen the number of cops increase, and yet crime has not gone down. Specifically in the areas where uh, it's most prevalent, because crime, especially violent crime, is really segregated in the city. And the areas that yeah. um, it's impacting the most are actually the areas that, at least in the first round, tended not to go for Paul Ballas. So he's, I think he's using real fear tactics to appeal to the type of largely white voters and more affluent voters in the city that are freaked out by the idea of crime, but they actually aren't the ones that are facing the, the results of it. And what we've seen is, you know, when we had investments in these alternatives, because there are some pilot programs that do things that uh, Brandon Johnson is calling for in the city mm -hmm. right now that, you know, provide um, mental health specialists uh, to go along with police to respond to emergencies that have hotlines that so people can call because we you know we know that a large amount of 911 calls are for people that are experiencing emergencies but they don't necessarily right. you know it's not an ongoing crime and those programs are successful right so there yeah. there we've seen that there is you know actual uh, benefit to the type of policies being approached by uh, by Brandon Johnson and not to mention the whole host of left-wing candidates that have recently won office in the city of Chicago that have similarly run on these platforms. But Paul Vallis has just yeah. said, no, the answer is cops. So, Right, of course, the same thing. I mean, and maybe cops plus because he's, um, you know, he's got this privatization record specifically with schools, which I want you to just expand upon and then maybe like like what would he do if he were the head of a police force or just a mayor like how could chicago which to be honest with you as someone who doesn't know chicago very well the times that i have been i'm like you know and i know it's changing but i was like wow there, there, this is a city that feels like there's 
a little bit more of a middle class than let's say where I was living, which is San Francisco, you know, or cities that are like super divided, like incredible, um, you know, uh, inequality and gaps between the rich and poor. Chicago's like, all right, this still has some sort of middle class. that's like, you know, living here. I assume he would probably want to do away with that. But anyway, I wanted to ask you about the Yeah. What is his privatization record, especially when it comes to this is fascinating, uh, New Orleans and the school system there? He so Paul Vallis is actually he's walked away from this, but he previously bragged about the fact that there are no longer any public schools in New Orleans after he became the head of the school system there after Katrina. Um, he went in and basically took over the recovery school district and replaced all the private schools with charters with uh, with alternatives run by private operators that largely had a profit motive that were right. virulently anti-union um, and worked to cancel all collective bargaining agreements. And that actually were really horrible for many students because they enforced these strict zero tolerance policies. So students would face expulsion or suspension for really minor infractions like wearing the wrong color you know, article of clothing one day or something. And the result of that is, yes, people were able to, as kids got kicked out of the school district and he bragged about test scores going up, but they implemented these really um, laser set uh, approaches provided standardized testing as the only determinant of student success. So teachers just would teach to the test. And then so many kids got kicked out, you know, expelled and suspended from the schools. That helped to kind of change the numbers that made it look like he was being a successful administrator. But what he was really doing was taking all control out of the hands of the actual residents of New Orleans. And right. in Chicago, when he, he, he was the head of the school system here, first of all, he privatized the janitorial services, like custodial Ooh. staff. And that helped to really create uh, discord within the schools because as anybody who's gone and worked in a school knows, it's a community, right? And then people know each other, they work together, the teachers, the, the custodial staff. And so when you bring in private contractors, they don't have those same relationships that really um, lowered the um, cleanliness of the schools. But then he also set up these uh, standards which opened the door to mass school closures that were done later, especially under Rahm Emanuel. He closed 50 schools by using a lot of the same criteria that Paul Vallis had put in place when he was CEO. So that's kind of his record on privatization. He's done it everywhere he's been. When he was in Philadelphia, Paul Vallis was the head of the school system there. He Jeez. pursued privatization. Jeez. He did it in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And they actually brought him to both Haiti and Chile as well after uh, earthquakes in 20. 10. And there he pushed this kind of Milton Friedman supermarket focused approach. So he has a long track record of doing this um, across, across not just the country, but across uh, the globe. That's insane. Um, he reminds me of the former chief of police in New York when I was li living there, the former NYPD head, what was his name, like Kelly? His last name's Kelly and I'm forgetting his first name, but he's like he over he oversaw like uh the rnc mass arrest in the year 2004 when i was arrested and like i was like this guy i think it's charles kelly i can't remember his name but he, i was like this fucking guy this guy you know he's he's a he's a criminal like he's he's a total thug he's just sweeping up people who are nonviolently protesting he's never gonna get a job this guy's a disgrace no 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 he's contracted 
all over the world to work with police across the world. This is like the same, you know, consultant from hell, but for schools. Like, oh, you want more charters? You want private? Want to privatize things? You want to break up unions? I'm your guy. Exactly. I think that it's a classic case of the conservative white guys failing up and it just keeps on yes. keeps on going and but the failure it just depends on what your your judgment is because he's made a lot of money for a lot of people right there's been uh of course interests that have been benefiting that have your been charter profiting. school if you're the devos family exactly I mean, I you actually <laughs> see that the well the there's this uh pack that was started by the devos family that has funded paul vallis in this race for chicago mayor and that uh, of course that, and that pack is also taking a lot of money from the walton family which is you know the richest family in, in uh in the country that runs walmart so the billionaires are really getting behind their candidate and it's not because they think he's failing it's because they think he's being successful because the money keeps you know flowing upward and yes. we keep on being able to resist teacher unions. And I think that that's actually a real fundamental point about this election is that Paul Vallis, his plan is to take on the Chicago Teachers Union that has become a really powerful force in city politics in terms of building a progressive alternative to this neoliberal corporate model that has run uh, city governance for so many years. And they've done that through backing challengers, uh, especially in the city council, but now, on the mayoral level as well. And Brandon Johnson obviously comes out of the CTU. Um, the CTU helped to lead a number of strikes that were not only over a quality of life issues in the schools, but really bargaining for the common good, you know, trying to increase mm. the type of issues that can be bargained over to address things like housing and affordability um, and, you know, home st students facing homelessness, things like this. That's the kind of approach of the Chicago Teachers Union. And that's what I think a lot of these interests see as a real threat to the right. type of politics as usual that's been in place for so long. And so Paul Vallis would be a vehicle. He's their which, guy. He's exactly. perfectly their guy. Exactly. And he would be able to probably be pretty effective because he is ruthless when it comes to these types of policies. He has a long record of it. And he has so many friends across the country that are part of this um, corporate first agenda. And that's what's interesting about these 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 races that are nonpartisan is that you're mm -hmm. right. Paul Ballas claims to be a Democrat, says he's a lifelong Democrat. He's even gotten a lot of like Obama world behind him. You know, the, the sure. people like Dick Durbin. Emanuel. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And Arne Duncan is a big backer who was an education secretary under Obama is a big backer of Vallis. So a lot of these people have gotten into his court. But if this was, a, you know, a race where you had to have a party affiliation, Paul Vallis would definitely be the Republican in the race, because look at the right. type of policies he's running on. They're all in line. And a lot of the people that are backing him, including John Catmazzaro, who's the head of the police union in Chicago, which has endorsed Paul Vallis, is a huge Trump supporter and has been um, outspoken about, you know, saying that it's a witch hunt against Trump. And, you know, this indictment is um, you know, of national disgrace and things like this, and is actually a big supporter of the January 6th insurrectionists. Like, these are the people that are in Paul Ballas's camp, and yet he's claiming I to be to, uh, a Democrat. I wanted to throw this up here. Speaking of that witch hunt line, I think Ballas also echoed it, asked in a radio conversation yeah. about efforts to hold the 45th president to account for stirring up supporters who sought to block certification of the 2020 election results. Ballas said of the impeachment initiative, I've always felt it was a witch hunt. So here you go. Witch hunt. He, he said it from whole, his mouth. 
there's a whole long history of basically the two years running up to this election, Paul Bellis has spent courting the far right and the MAGA voters. And he's done that by going on shows by people like Jeannie Ives, who was a right-wing challenger um, to even the Republican that ended up running for governor. Um, and the last time around, she was a far right of him, um, as well as he spoke at a fundraiser for this group, Awake Illinois, that is completely homophobic and transphobic that's their whole yeah, political sounds... agenda <laughs> sure uh, so it's it's, so it's no surprise and and when he's done these appearances on a lot of these shows he's said this kind of stuff he's been super critical not just of biden but of obama and jb pritzker all these like national democrats and he's been kind of defensive of of trump and and the far right and certainly said things that are more um uh, letting off letting off the hook a lot of the people involved in the january 6th capital riot so this is the type of uh, community that paul Vallis has been appealing to now he's tried to moderate right he's just focused sure. on crime and tried to avoid saying any of these things that could be a little bit more that's the old controversial. yeah can can you just tell me because we when will we know what is it looking like in terms of polling um and what would it mean if brandon johnson won it would truly be uh, historic if Brandon Johnson won. You know, this is 40 years out from when Harold Washington became uh, mayor of Chicago. And he was the last time there was a progressive mayor in the city. Um, he was also the first black mayor. And he faced a lot of challenges because the entrenched uh, interests and networks in the city ossified to help to block anything he would put forward. And I think we would probably see a kind of similar pushback under a Brandon Johnson administration. The difference is mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, really progressive left-wing people in office right now across the city council. He has. Yes, uh, I met tons. some of them. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So there's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's a, there, there's a squad here in Chicago that's ready to back him up and really help to harness the momentum that has uh, come behind him in uh, in this election. In terms of polling, I mean, the race is happening right now. It's there's a few hours left until polls close. We'll see what I, I have seen some heartening numbers of youth mm. involvement um, because mm. that's it was really dismal in the first round of this race, the primary basically in late February. Right. Only 3% of voters from 18 to 24 voted. That's Shit. sad, right? And that's terrible. Um, and, yeah. the, and, and that's where he has the most support is among young voters, not just 18 year olds. Obviously, I mean, anybody basically under 50 is more likely to be a Brandon Johnson voter. But those are communities that are less likely to actually come out and vote, not because they don't right. support him, but just because it's not in their nature. You know, they need to, they need more motivation, whereas the older voters um who are much more likely to go for ballots especially older white voters are incredibly consistent in chicago when it comes to turning out to vote and so i, I think that's really what it's going to come down to is the turnout because if it was just judged off popularity of course i think brandon johnson would be cruising to victory but it's you know you got to actually go and cast your ballot so you've got yeah yeah exactly and uh, I, I can imagine the defeating Lori lightfoot in the run i mean in the the, the first round here was a probably a pretty big boost to young folks who are like oh shit it's not just going to be kind of this mealy-mouthed you know 
um, same old, same old, we might have something real. So I feel like having a real progressive candidate could excite young folks if they uh, get out. Uh, if you are listening in the Chicago and you are from, you can vote in the Chicago mayor's race. Go, go vote. God damn it. Um, stay in line. But um, uh, so excited. Thank you so much for um, dropping by miles. Is there anything else you wanted to add? I mean, like, is it, it's going to really suck if he loses if Brandon Johnson loses, and I say that, I'm sorry, that's so glib, but like it, uh, it'll be more than it would be awful. Um, um, you know, I similarly felt the same way here in LA's mayoral race um, against whatever the fuck his asshat name is. I forgot what his name is already. Because well, I'll just say I think there's actually some real parallels to you know, Paul Vallis is not as rich as Rick Caruso was, but he Thank is some, he's similarly an agent of the ruling class, right? Who has been set up to take down a progressive uh, challenger. And I think Brandon Johnson is even more from the real like left wing oh, yeah. fighting movement than Karen Bass, although Karen Bass obviously has, you know, more actual elected experience. Karen um, Bass sort different... of sits between Lightfoot and, you know, Brandon Johnson. We'll see, you know, TBD. Yeah. And Caruso is, I mean, he's an agent of Auntie Anne's pretzel factory as well. Yeah. He just because he's a and he owns those <laughs> movie theaters and stuff, right? In the exactly. I know. I hate it. I have and he charges way too much for parking, son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Well, I just think that's, I mean, it's a similar dynamic, right? Is that there's one, there, one of the candidates is the one put up by the billionaires and another candidate is the one that's literally coming out of the union, the, the most left-wing fighting militant labor union probably in the yeah. Midwest. And that's the stakes of this election. I do think that it's, if, you know, if, it, if Paul Ballas does succeed, it will be because of voter apathy, largely, and mm -hmm. much less about there being a mandate for his policies, um, because mm -hmm. that's it's going to just rest on the areas of the city that are much more conservative, that are much also much more likely to vote. And I think it would inspire some real resistance in the city, right, in the way that people were certainly resistant to Rahm Emanuel, especially when he won a second term, because you know, residents became familiar with the type of policies he was he was uh, representing um, and pushing it with Paul Vallis. I think there's been a lot of political education over the course of this race. And the people that are pro Brandon Johnson are also really anti Vallis. And so if he wins, there's going to be a real strong resistance to him. And certainly that'll take place in the halls of power and city council, but also sure. on the streets as well. And if Brandon Johnson yeah. can, can can win, it's as I said. I think that the uh, a lot of the political establishment in the city is going to do what they can to uh, counteract that victory with as much um, objection and uh, you know trying to throw some sand oh, in the gears as possible. Yeah, exactly. But that's so going to mean yeah, it's going to mean more that like the movement is going to have to counter that with you know providing some support of their own and that's i think that that's an, an interesting challenge and opportunity that uh i think the city would be well positioned to um to, to deal with especially um you know in 2023 so it's going to be Fuck, uh, yeah. th thrilling especially whatever happens 
Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I think especially what you just said, like CTA um, um, being so active and then the city council having, you know, open lefties on it, like just Chicago is primed either way to fight a Vallis mayor or to support and defend a Brandon Johnson mayor. And I think that's really awesome. And that's what you get when you have a leader who's running for mayor in the first place, who comes from the grassroots, who comes from an organizing background, that person's going to be way better positioned to defend and fight than someone kind of swooping in with a bunch of money. Right. Or, you know, or, or even just a leftist who's kind of running like a, you know, a name recognition campaign rather than a grassroots campaign, I think. So, so if J Johnson does pull this off, it'll be a huge um, lesson in for progressives on how to win. So, you know, just thank you for all of this extensive coverage. And I'm like, we're all really, again, lots of candles being lit. No, what fuck candles, uh, lots of doors being knocked and, and votes being cast. So, uh, Miles, it's been awesome. Miles Camp Lesson, where can people find you and your work? Yes, please uh, check out In These Times. Uh, the website's in these times.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Miles K Lassen, M I L E S K L A S S I N. Um, I'll also have some uh, coverage of the race, whatever the outcome is. You can check that out on my social media as well. Sweet. All right. Take good care. Thanks for stopping by. And thank you all for being here. We have one more story to do. Uh, my personal fave, we're going to end it with a final fun segment, although this story is probably the most insane of, of the week, uh, more so even than the Trump indictment. But I just wanted to say, um, yeah, uh, let's see. Jess Camaro says, Heads up, severe, dangerous weather in a big chunk of central U.S. Please be weather aware today and spread the word, trying to help save lives. Absolutely. Guys, uh, I think there's some kind of like, there's like tornado watch and shit. Like everything's going on. Um, I mean, I want to say it's a Vallis inside job or something, but uh, be careful, everybody. Um, also, God's favorite mathematician on Twitch. What's up to the Twitch community? Hi. Says it's Raymond Kelly. His son is Greg Kelly from Newsmax. He was an anchor on Good Day New York until he got arrested for domestic violence. No. The son of a police chief arrested for domestic violence? <gasps> well, I never. That is just the most predictable thing I've ever heard. And yeah, that bitch, Raymond Kelly, uh, got arrested under his watch for sure. Um, and with all that, y'all, let's move to our, just our final segment. We'll let's, do, let's wrap this baby up real, real quick we got to talk about it. I'm introducing a new segment. You guys know I, I, I go hard for the defund movement. Um, I, I hold out for moving all of the money <laughs> into things that actually prevent violence. Um, and that is not cops. So here is my final segment. New segment. Reason number 745 to defund. There's probably, in fact, there is, there are way more than 745. Um, that, that's just probably people who were, uh, you know, shot by cops in the last couple of years. But we wouldn't know that because we don't really have a database of any of that. But here is the most incredible story and a reason to, to absolutely uh, defund the police and to not trust police unions just because they have the word union in them and we think they're somehow with the people and working class. They're not. They're not. They're there to defend their own impunity when they shoot un and kill unarmed black people. That's what they're there to do. And here we have the story of 
Lil Miss Joanne, Joanne Segovia, uh, who is the head of the largest police union in California and was just busted for international fentanyl smuggling people. So she was uh, charged with importing, get this, fentanyl, muscle relaxers, and other drugs through the mail. She allegedly attempted to blame her housekeeper, the fucking Karen, after federal agents started asking questions about the illegal operation. It took the feds to come in. Prosecutors have accused 64-year-old Joanne Segovia, executive director of the San Jose Police Officers Association, of running a, quote, scheme to bring synthetic opioids into the country and distribute them through the United States. Well, 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 looky here. Looky who's been importing all the fentanyl. All that horrible fentanyl that we've heard about that if you're in the five block radius of, you just drop dead right there. Ah, you got convulsions. All the fentanyl that actually has been killing people. But of course, the cops are staging all those, if you've seen them, ridiculous videos where it's like, you know, this dog that encountered fentanyl and we performed Narcan on the dog. And it's just a whole thing. You know, fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. It's the latest thing. The latest thing we have to be super, super scared about. The rainbow fent that's going to make its way into your children's Halloween candy. All of that shit. And lo and behold, little Miss Joanne. Joanne's fabrics. I don't think so. Joanne's fentanyl. That's what it is. So you guys want to know what Joanne looks like? There she is, guys. Uh, she's got one of them um, Sherbert hairstyles, I call it. That's when you have, like, blonde on top and a little bit of the, the red on the bottom. I call it a Sherbet. Um, looking like she shops at Chico's, you know, uh, just there, a big smile. She's a, she's been an employee, uh, of the police union since 2003. She's been described as the grandma of the organization. You know, grandmas are always trying to like slip you a little candy or rainbow fent, which represents rank and file staff at a department of more than a thousand officers. The union has lobbied for tougher laws against fentanyl in California, even as evidence appears to show Segovia used her own office to conduct drug deals, ordering thousands of pills from her suppliers abroad, primarily suspected to be in India. Wow. Interesting. Photos included charge in the charging document show Segovia used police union shipping labels after repackaging the prescription meds, which included various types of sedatives and painkillers. You know, Whiteness is incredible. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, if I, you heard from the Sherbert haircut and everything, and if you're just listening, yes, she's a white lady, middle-aged white lady. And uh, just the audacity, the gall to use police union, like, pre Oh, I don't want to go through all the trouble of, like, you know, creating a P.O. box for this or, you know, uh, trying to distance myself from this. Why don't, why don't we just use the police union return address? That's fine. We'll just slap that on here. All good. Um, Segovia, and this is great. So in they got, I guess, prosecutors got access to her text messages of doing the drug deals. And she even wrote in some of them. Um, she this was dated June 14th, 2021. Sorry, I had 50 new officers starting today. So if I've been all tied up this morning, I'll be back in the office within an hour and I'll take care of it. Any news on the Soma? I don't know what that is. Is that a is that a muscle relaxer? Y'all, somebody tell me. In another message on May 2nd, Segovia wrote, I'm so sorry. I'm on a business trip because we had two officers that got shot. 
I should be home tomorrow night so I can get them shipped as soon as I can. This is like, what is this fucking Etsy for fentanyl? I'll let you know when I've shipped it. Yay, your items are on the way. They are coming from a San Jose police union. Oh, did an officer go down because of fentanyl? The call is coming from within the building. Now, it gets even a little bit better than this. I'm trying to see if I can pull this up here because, you know, we all know that San Francisco or that unions have um, police unions are pretty much in the business of ensuring that none of their officers are held to account um, and that uh, they keep on getting that money and they keep on, you know, making their uh, case for why they need more of it. I just want to say I'm bringing up my Twitter screen and I am insanely triggered by the fact that Elon Musk has changed the Twitter logo to a fucking Doge, a Dogecoin image, people. But anyway, this is from Jackie Fielder, um, uh, organizer here in California, who brought some goddamn receipts. It turns out that the San Jose Police Officers Association was signing checks to guess what? Oh, a pack that opposed Chesa Boudin. You guys remember the progressive DA who was accused of being too light on criminals, which was totally made up uh, and was recalled effectively and ousted from his position. They were donating. Here we go. San, San Jose Police Officers Association PAC. There we go. Right there. This is the pack of Committee for a Safer and Cleaner San Francisco opposing Boudin for district. Blah, 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 blah. What is this? Let me open this. Okay. It's just truncated. It's just, you can't make this shit up. I mean, you can because it's so fucking predictable. So there we are, Joanne. What you got to say for yourself, huh? You feel like she's going to be back on the job shortly? I can't. I mean, and you guys, you think this is a one-off? You think this is the only police union that's involved in any kind of drug dealing? No. I don't. You don't need a tinfoil hat to know that. You just need to watch The Wire. And not even, there wasn't even that much police drug. They were, like, pretty good in that one. They didn't really touch the unions. They should have done another season about unions. Anyway, um, all you good people, that has been the show. Thank you so much for being here. I want to close this out the way we always close it out, which is with the fart song. Um, thanking all of the patrons who support the show. Again, this is literally a labor of love. I don't know how I pull the fucking dope guests that I pull. It's a little bit of Franny magic. It's a little bit of Paige Omac, my producer magic. But we got we bring you the best of the best, and we do it with your support. Patreon.com slash room. Five bucks, ten bucks a month, month get to that shout-out. You get discounts on merch, which I just did my taxes, and oh my God, not making any money from that merch, y'all. <laughs> but that being said you do get 20 percent off but if you want to support uh the show go get more merch um uh bituationroom.com to get that it is union made i think that's what's happening to me um you know trying to support trying to support not really working out um <laughs> but with that uh let's get into the best part of the show the best time the fart song <laughs> Timothy Brennan upped your pledge from 20 to 50 bucks a month entering the Orchada Armada. Welcome, bienvenido. 
Wait, we do have a $10 pledge. Brian Williard. Hell yeah, welcome to the Frantifa, my dude. And uh, thank you so much to all the Twitch subs, to Brandy Lutz who gave out a community sub, Frank Morningtree gave out five community subs, you blessing from Jesus. Um, and thank you again, if I didn't say Punch Up Dragon for resubscribing with Prime, Marcus Aurelius for uh, subscribing for 11 months over there on Twitch. And remember to uh, thank Pedro Max Maximilian Inhofe and to Andy Vasoyan. We stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, follow us on Twitter at VituationPod if you still fuck with Twitter. But really, let's go over to Instagram and TikTok at FrannyFio. You know where it is. And remember to fight the power, to fuck the patriarchy, and to not just bitch about it, but to be about it. 